0: Listen. Listen, God is calling through the word, inviting, offering forgiveness, comfort, and joy. This is the opening refrain of a Tanzanian song. Listen. Listen, God is calling through the word, inviting, offering forgiveness, comfort, and joy. I think it's appropriate on this day, this song, because of the ending of this Mark scripture where God, out of the cloud, of course, says, not to Jesus, but to the disciples that are gathered there, this is my son, the beloved one, listen to him. And it's made even more poignant if you go back in the scripture, if you're reading along in your Bible or whatever, you go back in the scripture before the scripture passage for today and you realize what has just been happening. I mean, just taking these things out of context, as I tell you all the time, is is not a very good thing to do. People take the Bible out of context all the time and they, and they miss some of the great story that is here Jesus has been teaching and preaching and doing all these things and he says to the disciples who do people say that I am and they say Elijah or a prophet or you know someone who's great who's to come etc 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 and then he looks him in the eye and he says who do you say that I am and what does Peter say you're the messiah you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. That's what that word means. So so Peter gets it right. Peter gets it right. And right after that, it seems like their ears close. Then he began to teach them the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said this all to them quite plainly is another way to do that. He said this to them quite plainly. He made it super clear to them that this is exactly what needed to happen. And if you don't know, the reference to the Son of Man, which Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man in Gospel of Mark a number of times, comes from Daniel in the Old Testament. The Son of Man is a messianic figure. Just so that you know where that comes from, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man a few times in Mark. He said all of this quite plainly. And it doesn't say this in Scripture, but Peter's ears were closed. His his preconceptions about what a Messiah was supposed to be got the best of him. He wasn't listening very clearly or very reflectively, and he takes him aside. And so I just want you to imagine this, right? Jesus says these things, and Peter comes up and is like, hey, right? Let's scuffle over here a little bit because... This is a problem. I'm going to give you some advice. Peter began to rebuke him. But Jesus didn't just say this to Peter. He turns and he looks at his disciples and he rebuked Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He rebukes Peter in front of everybody. Just imagine how embarrassing that was for Peter, right? He likes to get yelled at, especially by someone who you have such great respect for, in front of everybody. But Jesus is making a tremendous point here. Don't get blinded by your preconceptions about what's going to happen here. I'm telling you plainly and straight out, you may not like this truth. You may not like this truth, but I want you to listen to it because it is truth. How many of us have felt this way, especially over this past year? I remember after the death of George Floyd, beginning to be confronted with my own preconceptions and my own blindness to the ways that people of color have been oppressed, about the systemic things that happen to them, about, and most people don't like this word, but I'm going to use it, about the privilege that I have as someone who looks like me, about the way the things that I just assume that are going to go a certain way for me and, and that often do. That do not go that way for people who don't look like me, who are people of color or of different race, if we want to say that. Being opened to these things, I'm sure, was like Peter being like, No, what? A Messiah doesn't die. The world isn't constructed that way. This isn't how things are, Jesus. Messiahs conquer. Messiahs take over. That's how it is. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Get behind me, Satan. And then he followed it up with this very plainly and very clearly he called the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, so it's not just the disciples now that he's teaching, he's teaching everyone, so he's talking to everyone and he says, if any want to become my followers, if any want, want to become my disciples, if anybody want to become learners of what I'm teaching, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Basically, he's saying, remove yourself from the center of your attention And allow me to be there. Remove yourself from the center of your attention and allow me to be there. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who want to lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? I mean, how many times have we seen this where where people who have made it, right? Like, They're famous, they're rich, they have a beautiful partner in life, all of that, and then you read that they took their own life because their life was so untenable for them. They gained the whole world, but they lost themselves in the process somewhere, and it doesn't just happen there. We we all often trade things to get things in certain ways because we, as Martin Luther said, sin is being curved in on ourselves. It's almost like we get so focused on belly button gazing. We're so curved in on ourselves, on our wants, our needs, our desires, that we miss the point of denying ourselves of dying to ourselves and allowing Christ to be our life. And it's not easy. I mean, dying, (laughs) who really wants to die? And if we know we're going to die at some point in our lives, just we always talk about, let me go in the middle of the night. You know? Let me go without pain. Let me go with a morphine drip in my arm. You know? I mean, seriously. And but there's a dying that has to happen in our life now, a dying to the self, a Jesus. And it's so hard, it's so hard and we can't do it, this dying to ourselves that Jesus makes the way. He walks the way of the cross. He dies that we I die to ourselves and have life, a new life. He walks ahead of us. Dying to ourselves is listening and discerning the hard truth about ourselves in every situation. It's listening and it's coming face to face with our twisted, navel-gazing, self-absorbed, sinful selves This sin, this twisting up, and I know people don't like the word sin because of the word original sin and all of that, but our brokenness, if we want to talk about it that way, is sinister, it's insidious. It sneaks in all the time, all around things, even things that we think that we're doing that are good. They're tainted with this self-absorption. Lord, don't I know. It mean, it's so tainted, it's so insidious, this sin, that this idea about denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus has gotten used against certain people in our culture. Especially the, the female of the species. Right? Because you're supposed to deny yourself. You're supposed to give everything to your family, to your job, to your neighbor, to the school where your kids go. You're supposed to bake the cupcakes. Well, you're supposed to make the money for the cupcakes, go to the store, make the cupcakes, deliver the cupcakes, sell the cupcakes, collect the money, and do it all with a smile. And then if you get a little frustrated about that or or you need a little break from that, you know, the church has often been really helpful to say, well, you just deny yourself, you know, get with it. Because if you there's this weird thing, right, for those of us who are helpers, and we expect, I'll just say, we expect the women in our lives and the women in our culture to be helpers. We expect them just to go on and on and on, and when they identify, ah, I'm I'm am i I'm tired. I need time for myself. I need time to recharge. There's this guilt that comes in because caretakers aren't supposed to take care of themselves. They're just supposed to have the energy of an energizer bunny and just keep on going on. So we've used this against people. That's how dark and insidious our listening is, our brokenness is. This not listening to things and not discerning hard truths about ourselves and other people. We've done this to people of color as well, right? Don't speak up. You're supposed to just take your cross and do what you're supposed to do. Accept where you are in life and just do what you're supposed to do. Don't speak up. Get back in line. I mean, it's dark. It's wrong, and yet we often use texts like this to do that, and at the same time, well, let me back up for a moment. For those of us that are helpers, for those of us that, that find ourselves in situations where, where we are the caretakers, and, and it's not just women, but it falls more to the female polarity in our society generally, but there are those of us, and I, I would just say especially people called into the to the pastorate. There's a thing about wanting, you know, and about being expected to be available at all times and in all places for all people. And a lot of pastors have a lot of problems with this. We joke in our profession that we ought to get a group discount on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine because so many people are on it. Because self-care, we talk about it all the time. Every every continuing ed thing we do, they'll talk about, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to take your day off, you've got to rest, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and nobody does it. (laughs) Because we believe that self-care is somehow selfish. But self-care is not self-aggrandizement, it's not self-worship, it's not self-absorption. I mean, Jesus even said, take my yoke on you, right? My burden is easy. It's light. I will give you rest. And so as we think about this text of denying ourselves and we listen to it very closely, there's a lots of nuance. Just like this board game that Katie's talking about, there's just a lot there. How do you know between the orc and the elf and the whatever, you know? There's so much and it's, it's so rich, right? The, that's what makes the game fun and interesting and subtle is all of that. That's what makes life so interesting is there's so many subtleties. We want things to be easy. We want it to be one or zero. And life is not one or zero. It is rich in its complexity. It's rich in its colors. It's rich in its cultures. And we are called to listen. And we are called to remember that faith is not certainty because faith is more flexible and resilient than that. Hope is not simply optimism. It too is more flexible and more resilient than simple optimism. So during... This time, this 40 days of Lent, you're being invited again and again to listen. And it takes energy to listen, and so I want you to take care of yourselves. Do whatever you have to do to have to find the energy to do what it is you need to do in your life, to clarify what things you also must let go of, because some of our dying to self is thinking that we can save everybody and everything. Frederick Buechner said that when Jesus went into the wilderness those 40 days and Jesus was asking what it meant to be Jesus. For us in these 40 days, I'm going to riff on what he said about that, that Christians need to ask what it means to be Christians. And we are invited to Listen. Amen.